and welcome back to another episode in our teen health series. My name is Amrita Mumiri and I will be doing a series of shows with different experts in different health fields as a public educational resource so you can learn more about your mental and physical health. So on our show, um, we have Dr. Aruna Venkatesh, um, a physician and an endocrinologist in the Texas Diabetes Institute. Uh, Dr. Aruna is also an associate professor in the UT Health Science Center in San Antonio. She received her medical degree from the medical college in Hyderabad, India, and completed her residency in the internal medicine program at the University of Hawaii, and her fellowship training in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism from UT Southwestern, Dallas, Texas. Dr. Aruna is actively involved in her community, and besides patient care and teaching medical students, she's passionate about promoting healthy lifestyles. She works with students in a local school in local school districts to encourage healthy eating habits and the negative effects of increased screen tra- screen time and the importance of engaging in daily physical activity. She's also the San Antonio physician leader for the National Walk with the Doc program. We're super happy to have Dr. Aruna with us to tell us a bit about metabolic disorders and what teens can do to stay healthy and fit. Well, Dr. Arena is here with us on air. Uh, good morning, Dr. Arena. Welcome to our show. Um, we're super happy to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Amrita, um, for inviting me to this program, and it's a delight. Um, I was so happy to listen to the earlier conversation with Dr. Hethel. Uh, and I just wanted to add, I don't know if she's still online, which is that when you were asking about um, uh, the benefits, you know, in sort of health benefits for the for teenagers when they start yoga, mm-hmm. and Dr. Hethel was, you know, cautioning about, you know, not to expect uh, quick results, you know, especially, right. you know, you asked that question in terms of obesity and mm-hmm. weight loss. And right. what I would like to add to that is, I think yoga, you know, provides the soil or the mindset that, like she said, you know, helps you make the right choices, which in mm-hmm. turn help and prevent disease. So, so, so you don't need it, you know, it's not an instantaneous, you know, aerobic exercise and lose 10 pounds, but that was mm-hmm. itself an incredible Q and A between the two of right. you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, thank so, you so thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, let's start off with a little bit about you and your passion for medicine and promoting healthy lifestyles. Tell us a little bit about you. I will. And before that, let me just explain, you know, a lot of people don't know, you know what endocrinology is. And <laughs> patients who come to see me and they're like, I'm not sure what it is that you do. So I'm an adult <laughs> endocrinologist. And yeah. uh, so I actually do not you know, address, you know, adult is, you know, 18 and over. Um, so an endocrinolo- as an endocrinologist, I specialize in the understanding and diagnosis and treatment of health conditions uh, related to endocrine glands, which is the pituitary, the thyroid, and the adrenals, and, you know, the, the endocrine aspect of the pancreas and so on. Uh, so those glands and the hormonal imbalance uh, that, in, that, that can occur uh, diabetes mellitus, they are commonly called diabetes, and thyroid disorders are some of the common conditions that I address in my clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what is an adult endocrinologist. And it seems 
uh, when you see a hormone, it seems like teenage years are kind of synonymous with hormones. Mm-hmm. Of course, that are essential for the normal maturation into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and also our, you know, your, your quest in the series, you know, addressing teen health is with yeah. teen health is the ideal bridge helping us transition from childhood into adult healthy styles, lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. So um, what are some of the things that um, we should keep in mind about our health and well-being um, as we're, like you said, in this transition between childhood and adulthood? Yeah, great question. What I'm going to do is kind of use the template of a recent and growing specialty in medicine. It's called lifestyle medicine. And mm-hmm. the focus of this is, you know, that it should be preventative. You know, medicine as we practice now is very prescriptive. You know, you have a disease and then how do you treat it? And yeah. we all know how prevention is very important. So lifestyle medicine yes. focuses on prevention, um, uh, uh, on preventative measures in a kind of a more holistic, you know, not just disease aspects. So they mm-hmm. kind of use something called, you know, there are six pillars of, uh, uh, of, of this lifestyle medicine. And this is actually particularly relevant in, for teen health. So number mm-hmm. one is, of course, healthful eating. And I know earlier also you were talking about it, which is, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of diets. And mm-hmm. this particular, you know, lifestyle medicine focuses on, you know, plant-based diet, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sort of more, you know, more practical manner, you would call it, you know, plant-based food. And basically these are unprocessed, minimally processed as their mm-hmm. current nature, often being plant-based, wherein more than 90% comes from fruits, vegetables, and whole grains and legumes. Right. So right. that would be a way of healthful eating. And then mm-hmm. the second pillar would be physical activity, you know. And then we will talk a little more about, you know, at the end about what else, what particular kinds. And we already talked about yoga, focusing Mm -hmm. on the different types of exercises, you know, aerobic, anaerobic, um, promoting balance, flexibility, and uh, and basically being mobile, you know, we become so sedentary, just sitting. Mm Sitting has become an equivalent of uh, smoking as a risk factor. So sitting eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Which is what, you know, as children, you know, as uh, young adults and, and teenagers, you know, are more likely to be mobile, but adults are just sitting at their workstations, you know, continuously, and that's become equivalent to, you know, smoking. So just right. not sitting has become a physical activity. The yeah. third pillar is sleep. And, uh, and basically, uh, in adults, we say seven to eight hours, teens mm-hmm. need an extra hour, um, yeah. waste more than uh, girls. Uh, and that's real important. Um, mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is, you know, sort of managing stress. You know, we talked about meditation and whatever ways to you know, rest and restore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then social relationships. So it's it's become extremely important to form nurturing, forming, maintaining, and nurturing those relationships, friends, family, groups, networks, spiritual mm-hmm. support, community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, finally, the sixth one, I hope I haven't lost track, is uh, avoiding risky behaviors. Again, this, uh-huh. that's why I meant, even though it's for adults, you know, they, they take root in, you know, teenagers, peer pressure, right. and for so many reasons, it's just so vulnerable, and, uh, and avoiding tobacco and substance abuse and right. you know, pollutants and, and, and so on. So, right. so, so these are the things to focus on, you know, to, uh, to promote teen health, I would say. Right. That was a great explanation. Thank you so much. 
Um, so I know you, we spoke a little bit about uh, lifestyle medicine and how um, it's really important to focus on preventative medicine rather than treatment medicine. But um, what are like some of the things that or the most common like endocrine related like health issues that are seen during like the teenage stage? Like um, what are some of the symptoms or signs that uh, we should be looking for? Right. So, um, of course, especially again, we were also alluding to the, the three years of the pandemic and some, you know, hopefully it's ended in, in that form. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that, you know, that are common in the teenage years, especially in these three years were, you know, social isolation, you know, yeah. you know, humans are social creatures and you know and the entire and adolescence is about you know not they 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 don't derive their community usually in family that's when they're rejecting family and they need friends and community of friends and so social isolation has become one this it can all you know even before the pandemic you know with a lot of the social media you know interaction has become less you know per in person interaction and instead right. social interactions have you know you know social media interactions so social mm-hmm. isolation and and then on as a consequence you know I don't, other things that the teenage teen years are particularly vulnerable to are you know depression and anxiety spectrum right and uh, and then of course again as an endocrinologist and it's just a rising specter of you know obesity and overweight you know one in three children. So when I was talking about, you know, in my introduction, so this was mm-hmm. that activity has 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 is no yeah well, has has ter- term, mm-hmm. which is when we would go to in elementary schools and we really wanted to start young, you know, to promote healthy lifestyles and right. sort of the the uh, the the paradigm for that was you know five two one zero five mm-hmm. servings of fruits and uh, vegetables. Um, less than two hours of recreational screen time, one hour of physical activity and zero sugary drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so during that time, you know, it was just so uh, heartbreaking to see, you know, the, the prevalence of, you know, obesity and overweight and how important it is. And that only transitions into teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the other thing that can happen in teenage years that are that particularly that are unique to, you know, those years are, you know, eating disorders, due mm-hmm. to kind of maladaptive body image expectations. So these mm-hmm. are some of the things that, you know, we would want to focus on. And of course, yes, obesity and overweight is more clinical conditions mm-hmm. that, you know, in turn transition into adulthood and all the consequences of, you know, in, in terms of diabetes and so on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So as we were saying earlier, um, there's um, been like an increase in unhealthy diets and sedentary lifestyles. And this has also been um, associated with like rising obesity in uh, youth today. And um, especially um, we can see this in um, San Antonio. So what is one way that, or how can we measure our like metabolic health? Is um, BMI, for example, one way we could measure it? Yes, I think BMI is, you know, it's kind of it's becoming a little more controversial. But mm-hmm. for the for the for for the for the most part, it is a good measure. Um, yeah. uh, you know, in young teens and in children, we usually actually don't use BMI. I mean, in my mm-hmm. at my work, you know, in the electronic medical health record, you know, the BMI uses the height and weight, and it actually right. doesn't give it to me if the, if they were under eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you usually use growth charts. 
okay. and see where they are on the curve. You know, with, are they at 80th percentile and 90th percentile? But it is it's a good measure of, you know, of their metabolic health. Um, okay. More and more, they're also using waist circumference. That's uh-huh. another way to assess metabolic health. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and... Uh, uh, and then, you know, people often, you know, always look for, you know, is there a particular weight or, you know, body, uh, uh, there's, there'd be a mind, there's categories, which is different in, in teens, but, mm-hmm. you know, in, uh, in non-Asian, you know, BMI goals are below 25 and 25 to 30 is overweight and over 30 is different grades of uh, obesity. And since this is addressing, you know, the logo and RIs as Asian group, it's important to recognize that the cutoffs are actually lower for people of, of Asian origins. The BMI cutoffs are for, you know, Caucasians and, you know, non-Asian populations. So, so you, you, your, your, your threshold for concern, you know, is, is, is that at a lower level. So BMI of 25 instead of 25, at 23, you would already be considered overweight for wow, people of the yeah. Asian uh, origin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's an incredible, like, statistic that you gave us, and it's really, like, helpful for our listeners, especially to keep that in mind and um, be, like, mindful and aware of um, their own, like, health. So are there any like long-term like consequences for being like overweight or obese? Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, that's that diabetes is the greatest risk, right. uh, which is a metabolic condition with, you know, high blood sugars. And as a result of the body being exposed to these high blood sugars, they get complications in the eyes and the kidneys mm-hmm. and the nerves. So that mm-hmm. would be uh, the, the and, and then as a consequence of diabetes, you know, it also increases the risk for, you know, cardiovascular risk, you know, increases heart right. attacks, you know, diabetes in, st- in self has kind of downstream consequences, you know, decreased lifespan, risk of, uh, you know, cardiovascular uh, disease, heart attacks, strokes, mm-hmm. and yeah. as a consequence, which in turn, you know, also can reduce lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, and obesity itself, you know, an extraordinary number of complications related to the entire body, you know, head to toe, increased risk of cancers, heart disease, hypertension, you know, joint diseases, knee problems, depression, mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, and there's just too numerous to even list, but it affects the entire, you know, the life, you know, of, on, ongoing lifestyle. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about um, calories in and out and calories out and its relation to obesity? And um, like, what is that, like the relationship also between like insulin and weight loss? Hmm. So uh, first of all, in the human body, like all animate, uh, you know, beings uh, needs a source of energy to function. Right. Um, which is, uh, which is a good thing. The mm-hmm. human body developed a very efficient and fail-proof way to secure and store this energy. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that we kind of, we, we were too smart for our own good. Our advances were so rapid in terms of, you know, in evolution in nature. We've become mm-hmm. extremely clever and efficient in producing food with less and less effort. Right. Um, so, it's, you know, the effort that had to be expended to gain this this energy, which is necessary for life, has become, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's just so trivial. So mm-hmm. in the, the next result was it was this kind of a simple math. Weight gain occurs when you consume more calories and you expend less. 
Uh-huh. And that has been sort of the bane of humanity. Remember, like mm-hmm. I said, whereas in the past, you, know, you had to farm, you had to hunt and get, get your food. You could only right, keep right. it for the day and then you had to go back to it the second day. So you, was, right. you were always almost in a negative balance. And mm-hmm. now I can make enough food that lasts me a week and then I mm-hmm. eat all my meals. I haven't changed how much I eat and I'm spending all day sitting. Right. And I'm expending way less energy. So, so basically, it's just, it's been, you know, people are puzzled about the reasons. And the reasons right. are, you know, our own lifestyles and our own mankind's success. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was a great explanation. Thank you. So, um, I also understand that we have, like, different kinds of, like, fats in our bodies. There's the good and the bad. Um, um, could you explain a little bit about, like, the difference between the two and how we can maybe like increase the good fat rather than the bad? Yes. So it's, it's a little, you know, there's two separate things about fat. So there's mm-hmm. when I'm just going to address it as you mentioned it as fat. So fat as in, you know, fat tissue, the adipose tissue mm-hmm. that's under the skin, like in, you know, abdominal fat. Um, mm-hmm. When I say abdominal fat, I'm saying subcutaneous means under the skin, you know, on uh-huh. the belly fat, you know, that, right. that you can see. Um, so, and actually that is considered, if you want to call it, you know, it is considered good in the sense that it is relatively safe and doesn't, is not a marker for cardiovascular risk. On the other hand, fat that gets in, into your organs. So the liver gets the fat and it gets inside the muscles, you know, muscle fibers. You know, that Mm -hmm. is, that is called visceral fat and that is bad fat. And that is uh, a marker for uh, cardiovascular uh, risk. Now, Mm -hmm. in this case, again, a point of, attention to the Asian population. So when you look at obesity, you know, we have a certain body image type, you know, in the Western world, you know, it's big, mm-hmm. um, physical, you know, sort of so-called ectomorph. Um, uh, and, but, you know, Asians tend to be lean, you know, you, we, they do not look fat in the traditional sense, but mm-hmm. they have some parts of India, especially have extraordinarily high cardiovascular risk and, and they're extremely lean. And, and there, that is how we un- learn to understand the importance of fat that's inside. So they may not have fat mm-hmm. under their skin, but they mm-hmm. have fat in their organs and that increases their risk. Uh, so right. that's one way of looking at good and bad fat. So we don't, mm-hmm. you know, fat anywhere is, you know, has sort of detrimental effects. So the way uh-huh. to look at fat is not as a cosmetic thing, but mm-hmm. as a metabolic fat. Um, when right. I say fat, so it's become very you have to be careful about when we say fat because there's so mm-hmm. much image issues, especially in teen years. Yes, in fact, yeah. uh, when we were doing this childhood obesity, you know, school, uh, uh, school events and awareness programs, was, they've learned, they had learned that sending these, you know, BMI or fat, you know, had adverse consequences, you know, body right. image issues and eating disorders. So we no longer talk about fat in children or in young adults for this reason. Yes. Um, so, so, so when I say fat, I'm talking about, you know, the metabolic fat. Uh, so anywhere it's probably not a good thing, you know, more of the fat, you know, like we said, it's, it's, it's it's heavy on your knees and so on, but, Mm -hmm. but it's the uh, internal fat. So that's good and bad fat. And then there is also good and bad cholesterol. And, and that is, you know, the bad cholesterol is so-called LDL, low density Mm -hmm. lipoprotein. And then there, the good cholesterol is called high density lipoprotein, HDL. Mm -hmm. So, so those are good and bad. And so LDL, you know, the bad cholesterol is is a marker for, you know, heart disease promotes, you know, buildup in blood vessels and, and so on and cause the heart attacks. Mm-hmm. The good cholesterol is, is, is beneficial. 
And yeah. uh, so women tend to have in, in their, you know, pre-menopausal, before the age of 50, have higher level of good cholesterol than men. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way to improve your good cholesterol is exercise, uh, foods with, you know, omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, these are beneficial to improve your good cholesterol. Fried foods, you know, are bad for, are right. bad, bad or, mm-hmm. or increased bad cholesterol. And what are, what would you say are like some of the reasons why, like, or how to control like the bad cholesterol or like what are some of the lifestyle habits that you would say that cause right. bad, like bad cholesterol? Yeah. So bad cholesterol, it's an inherited condition. A lot of people can have bad cholesterol, may not necessarily be because of uh, bad lifestyle. So it mm-hmm. can be inherited. So you already have mm-hmm. high bad cholesterol or high LDL. That's okay. one. But, but, but there are lifestyle, uh, you know, adverse lifestyles that can increase it, you know, fried foods against sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the ones that you want to, to avoid, you know, you right. know, how you plan your meal and then, you know, on a healthy plate, which is, if you take a plate, you know, it's not called a healthy plate. It's no longer the pyramid. Half your plate should be fruits and vegetables. And of that, more vegetables mm-hmm. than fruits of the other half. Um, carbohydrates is a quarter and the other is, you know, protein and a little bit of fat. You need, right. do need a little bit of fat. You don't have mm-hmm. to be fat free, but you yeah. need a little bit of fat. So that is the way to, to not aggravate if you already have an inherited, you know, cholesterol condition. Right. I had a question about that, actually. So I know that health experts say like more than half of your plate should be filled with vegetables and fruits or that we should, they say this phrase, like we should eat the rainbow. Um, but why exactly are like fruits and vegetables so important to our diets? Like, I know there are like particular like fad diets that exclude fruits um, due to their like sugars. Um, so what right. are your thoughts on this? Sure. So we'll kind of combine this. One thing is, I you know, it's another kind of pet topic of mine is about sodas. Uh, mm-hmm. When we will just kind of get it out of the way, which is. Uh, when you that's what I tell my patients when you're thirsty you're supposed to drink water God didn't make <laughs> sodas you know he made water for thirst right <laughs> God. you know nature <laughs> made water for thirst right and so there's I always say I no no food is forbidden the only thing I would forbid if I had to for my patients who I take care of with diabetes would be regular soda because there's no mm-hmm. earthly reason to drink it except for people with diabetes when they have a low blood sugar a 20-ounce uh, bottle of Coca-Cola has 16 spoons of sugar. You know, again, oh, when we went to schools, we would actually put that sugar in, 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 in Ziploc bags and show, you know, and actually in a, an empty Coke bottle. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody would sit, you know, you would drink a soda, a, a Coke uh, uh, bottle, and not think about how much sugar, but nobody would pour 20 spoons of sugar in a bowl and eat it because you really can't. <laughs> if you actually tried yeah. it, it'll stick to your mouth yeah. and, you know, but you can't even swallow and you can right. just not, not consume it. And mm-hmm. so that kind of understanding is important. So there's absolutely no reason for anybody to be drinking regular sodas. Right. And of course, the, the beverage industry has come up with diet sodas right. and, you know, zero. So I, I, if you're already been drinking, you know, regular sodas, I would ask them, and again, patients with diabetes, I would ask them to temporarily transition to diet sodas when they're still getting, wanting that kind of sugary taste in their mouth. But studies mm-hmm. have shown you're basically cheating the body. You know, you're saying I'm giving you something sweet and there's no calories. So studies have shown that in the long run, you actually eat more. 
And it is not mm-hmm. clear, is it because, you know, usually beverage consumption is in combination with, you know, more food consumption. You eat something right. else along with the drink. Or it's because, right. you know, it's in the mind. The mind is thinking, you know, where's my, where's my calories? I didn't get any. And you actually eat more. So mm-hmm. on a temporary basis, it's okay. You know, occasionally, yeah. you, know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we have to be accepting of the communities and the society we live in. And, and you know, you don't want to be an outcast and never, you know, well, I do that. I never drink a soda or a regular <laughs> or diet. But most mm-hmm. people don't. So yeah. you could do that occasionally, but be mindful that, you know, it is, you're adding more chemicals into the body. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's not necessary uh, to consume that. So that's about, about the sodas. Yeah. And uh, so the reason for the, the, the vegetables and the foods, they have many micronutrients and vitamins and minerals that mm-hmm. are essential and fiber. So these are the right. things that they provide. And mm-hmm. I know you were earlier, even with Dr. Hethel, talking about gut health. And that has mm-hmm. now become the holy grail of medicine and preventative medicine. Everything about us, we are what we put into our bodies, into our mouths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and fiber, it seems almost like it's like there's, we talk of a probiotic and there's a concept called prebiotic, which is, mm. you know, the bacteria thrive on the fiber and you can promote the good kind of bacteria. So, uh-huh. so these are the things that fruits and vegetables uh, provide. Uh, mm-hmm. that will, you, know, you still need your carbohydrates, you need your energy source, you need your protein, but they don't provide right. those, but they come from these, uh, these uh, food items. Right. And I know, um, not to call anyone out, but um, I know that a lot of my, um, like, classmates, um, like, do these particular diets where they exclude fruits from their diets do, because they think it has, like, a lot of sugar in it. Um, what are your, like, what do you, what would you say to that? Right. I actually had not heard of any diet that excludes fruits. But uh, again, if you're a diabetic, okay, um, you can, you should still eat, you can eat fruits, but you can eat, you know, large quantities of fruit. I'm not even talking mm-hmm. fruit juices, you know, fruits, I mean, because of their health benefits. So, I mean, everybody should eat one or two fruits. That's why I said and have the plate. We don't want to okay. fill that with entirely with fruit because you do provide a lot of sugar into the body. And then, yeah. which I had failed to talk about insulin, you had asked. So what the, what insulin, insulin is what is, 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 uh, is handles the sugar that comes from our, from when we eat carbohydrates. Carbohydrates uh-huh. are, you know, rice, pasta, tortilla, bread, potatoes, fruit, even milk has, you know, carbohydrates. Uh, so, so those those carbohydrates, you know, when they are absorbed from the gut, they're broken down into they call mono and disaccharides, and then into sugar, which is glucose. So that glucose in the blood has to be taken up by the cells, and the pancreas releases insulin. It promotes in glucose uptake by the cells. That's what mm-hmm. you need insulin for. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't have insulin, or if it didn't work, the glucose levels go up, and you get diabetes. What's the mm-hmm. whole topic for another day about what, what happens there? But so the way insulin, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, insulin's thrown around for, about weight. So, so if you eat more, your body makes mm-hmm. more insulin and that insulin turns sugar, you know, what, what the body, what, what the sugar that's beyond extra from what your body needs, mm-hmm. insulin turns it into fat. So insulin in that sense promotes weight gain. But not because insulin has some, you know, magical powers. It is the food that we are putting in. It's yeah. doing its work in turning right. it into a fat. We eat more than what we need. It turns it into fat. So that's the relationship between weight and insulin. 
Right. And yeah. uh, you were asking about, yeah, and then, so the fruits. So there's no reason to exclude fruits from, from your diet. You know, you don't need mm-hmm. to eat excessive amounts. You know, vegetables are better than fruit. You know, when, when people are juicing and so on, if you put a lot of fruit and not enough vegetable, then you are kind of, especially for weight loss, you know, you are kind of, uh, you know, undermining the, the caloric restriction. Right. So in that right. sense, you should, but you should not, I don't think you should reject fruit. You yeah. should eat some fruit because of its, you know, these benefits. And mm-hmm. again, wrong diet, uh, pro- the, gut, the gut biome is also related to obesity. So mm-hmm. you want to, you know, promote that with eating the right kind of foods so that you can lose weight. You know, when people say I can't lose weight because, you know, just caloric restriction is not sufficient. The other thing yeah. about fruit is fruits versus fruit juices. You know, I would always prefer eating fruit compared to the juice. First of all, a can of juice has a way amount, way more fruit than one one orange. Mm-hmm. Talk of orange juice, you know, it takes five oranges to make it, and here you have eat one orange. Oh my god! You, yeah, it's hard to eat five oranges. Right. You eat one orange, and it's satisfying because you're getting a lot more fiber. You know, you process it, and then you add some fiber to it. Here, it's already in there. It takes longer mm-hmm. time to eat. Time taken to consume food as a big, you know, kind of part of how. We process food, you know, gulping food down and a highly processed food are so much easier. We're not letting the body do the work. So fruit yeah. is better than fruit juice. That, again, you know, you can reject. And I made this mistake with my own son. I thought, oh, fruit juice is good. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. giving him a fruit equivalent, but it's not. It's better to eat fruits. Right. So like you're saying, like the canned fruits, like in our like school cafeteria, um, like we like I think they stopped giving us those like canned foods but are start like they've started giving us like actual fresh fresh like, produce to eat right. which is yeah. like so much better yeah oh canned fruits are again processed and often add sugar to it it's right no yeah. right exactly so we were talking about gut health um just now so so i know that um it there's been a lot of like gut health focus on social media recently and people have been drinking like chlorophyll and eating sea moss and um, trying to like do so much more for their gut health and there's also been companies that offer these services to tell us about our like microbiome um, so what exactly is gut health and is it worth getting our microbiome checked so we already talked about the gut health which is you know the types of bacteria there are I think some millions or I have once read I just the number skips my mind it, I would say almost a billion bacteria in our gut. Um, just in case that's not true, it runs in several millions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and they, 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 they seem to be a barrier from, you know, what goes in, you know, inflammatory substances. Inflammation is a big thing about, you know, causes of, you know, many diseases. And they seem to form a barrier uh, to, for, that, for that. And then there is, you know, so-called good and bad, you know, not so good bacteria. That mm-hmm. is all we know so far. Research yeah. is, you know, proceeding at, you know, exponential pace. Uh, we have few markers which tell us, you know, what, uh, what the consequences of the bacteria, the markers from certain kinds of bacteria that in the blood that are good and those that are not. That's all we know. We still don't know what, what proportion of bacteria are good for, mm-hmm. to promote those. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so. Everything. Then the rest. The answer to should you be looking at eating, you know, specific kinds of foods other than you know generic fiber, 
um, you know, fi fibrous foods, which is vegetables, fruits and vegetables. I would say no, and I would not waste money on ha having your gut biome assessed. So the answer right. is no. Because okay. there's not yeah. enough. We don't have, we don't know enough, even in right. research level, exactly. let alone at, at the commercial level. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Um, so another question um, that I think one of my, um, one of my classmates actually asked is, exercise is obviously uh, one of the main ways to like keep ourselves healthy and active and to get out of that like sedentary lifestyle that um, many teenagers and adults are going through today. So what are some like workouts that you recommend for teenagers? Mm. So uh, I would be a more uh, you know, a question for an exercise sort of you know, physiologist, you know, at least for any specific type of exercises. But remember, again, to this, before that, I, I'm, a, as, as, as you, as you had mentioned in my introduction, which is, uh, uh, I'm the, the, the lead for local, one of the lead physicians for the walk with the dog program, which mm -hmm. is, you know, walk right. with the, you know, the, the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so specific people, you know, especially teens have, you know, people who are athletic, you know, they have training, you know, that is promotes their, you know, for this particular sport, you know, go ahead and do what you need to. Mm -hmm. um, and then the non-athletic, you know, teens, uh, you know, they run, you know, running is, is something that a, you know, young person can, you know, more likely do it with, you know, with greater, you know, uh, they have the greater ability, you know, they have fewer issues with, you know, joint and, you know, musculoskeletal issues that will make it easier for them to continue to run. So they could take an, a running activity, which is, you know, aerobic. Right. Um, I, you know, again, the specific exercises for muscle, you know, muscular, you know, strengthening exercises, again, I think would be sport dependent if, or their athletic focus dependent. Mm -hmm. uh, but otherwise, I'm a big believer in walking as a uh, as a form of uh, uh, of exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I've always, you know, in my walk sessions, I always talk about. I start my uh, this, you know conversations as such. Imagine scientists discovered a new drug that needed to be taken five days a week. Benefits include treatment or prevention of diabetes, depression, dementia breast and colon cancer, high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, anxiety, and osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. Side effects may include weight loss, improved mood, improved sleep and bowel habits, uh, stronger muscles and bones, as well as looking and feeling better. Do you want to yeah. take this drug? Mm. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think everybody would yeah. want to start this medication. And this medication is called walking. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and that is how you know that is indeed what walking does. It's yeah. it's low low or no cost. All you need is a pair of good walking shoes and of course the ability to walk. And I want to be mindful of people with disabilities. Uh, safe place to walk. It is simple to do for people of all ages, incomes, and fitness levels. Yeah. And uh, it is an, you know an important pastime, which is something that you can continue on into adulthoods, right? Mm -hmm. So right. the question is, yeah. you know, how much should you walk? So any activity, like we said, is better than none. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, because, like I said, you know, don't be don't be sedentary. And right. traditionally, you know, for adults, uh, we recommend you know ten thousand steps a day. 
Mm-hmm. So just daily activity at home, you know, just getting ready, going here, walking to your car, walking to your workplace or school, you know, can give you with two to three, three thousand or five thousand steps. Okay, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the remaining will need, you know, uh, a deliberate uh, planning to do the walking, whether it's walking or running, uh, to get the remaining five thousand steps. A mile is two thousand steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get, if you can incorporate 2.5 miles of walking or running, you know, you've achieved that and you can, you just need to do that. It's recommended that we do 150 minutes a week. That is 30 minutes, five days a week. Again, mm-hmm. this is for adults right. and, you know, children, you know, teens can do more and, uh, and in order for it to count towards a physical activity. So then there's something called being active versus you know an exercise to count towards an exercise you want to walk at a pace of about 2.5 to 3 miles an hour if you're using a fitbit Um, or if you didn't have that and you're walking and you're on the phone and you can't talk in full sentences the other person says are you walking he should be able to tell that you're walking or if you're trying Mm -hmm. to sing and walk then you can't sing and walk so that mm-hmm. is the level of activity that will get you, you know, for, for walking to count as an exercise. Right. Right. So that would be my recommendation. So walking and running are, you know, great ways. Running, I'm adding for, for, for teens. But if mm-hmm. they didn't uh, run, they should walk. Yeah. Yeah. They can do Absolutely. their talking to their friends while walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, I think a lot of people forget that walking itself is also a form of exercise and they jump to these like crazy workouts in the gym that um, take a lot of um, time and effort. And yeah, it's a very like low effort exercise, like you were saying. So um, this is another um, like very like a question that um, a lot of teenagers especially like are um going through and it's really important to like address i believe so we're obviously subjected to a lot of stress as teenagers like when it comes to like school and the different activities that all teenagers like go through um and how do you think that will like contribute to like bad metabolic health uh yeah unfortunately this it is a difficult time because you have you know you're growing, you're trying to get to know your bodies, you're trying to get to know who you are, your psychological identity, your physical mm-hmm. identity, and emotional, you know, who are you, who am I, what kind of person <laughs> am I going to be, you know, these are the struggles, and that, right. is, that is, you know, part of, you know, growth, right. and, you know, having a good, you know, social support system. So, yes, so they have, they can have adverse consequences in all of these, and Dr. Hatel mentioned this too, is his has an impact on sleep. And, right. you know, sleep is very important for everyone. This is particularly mm-hmm. important for teens, you know, young children. You know, children somehow don't have any barriers to sleep, uh, but mm-hmm. teens do because they have these competing needs, you know, want to be with people, want to be with friends, you know, they, they, they're not enough hours in the day to do all the things they want. So there's, right. there's, there's competition for their time. Mm-hmm. So, so it's even more important. And sleep is important because it's an important restorative, not just physically, but psychologically and sort of to the brain, you know, it is during the REM sleep that, you know, learning actually occurs. And not a lot of people, you know, there were experiments that were done, you know, in animals and uh, in animals because you can do that in humans. But that's what happens in REM sleep is, you know, when we are dreaming, you know, we think it's dreaming, but actually it's learning through, you know, all the, the days, 
events mm -hmm. which that we mm -hmm. are processing and, and learning. So, so, and this is such an important growth period. So it's right. important to make sure that you have adequate sleep. And, you know, like yeah. I said, kids, you know, teens need more sleep. Uh, so you need to set um, uh, sort of non-negotiable, you know, you have to make these non-negotiable, you know, you mm -hmm. have to go, right. you know, get your, get your sleep in, you know, yeah. 10, 11, got to, you know, they you know, wake up at six. And, and that is the reason why, you know, older students have a slightly later time, um, you know, school start. But, mm -hmm. you know, those are the things that need to happen so that they get adequate sleep to be, right. you know, to be restored. So, um, and, and, and the, the thing is, you know, walking and exercise, you know, promotes that. Dr. Hethel said yoga promotes that in, in ways to, you know, in, you know, meditation, mindfulness. And, you know, if, again, these are times that you're questioning and you're not ready to take up the entire spiritual aspect of yoga, but meditation in by not necessarily making it an even if you didn't and Dr. Hetel may not agree and, and I like it to have a broad, broader scope so I'd rather they they adopt it in any way they can you know whatever mm -hmm. aspect of the mindful exercise which is yoga mindful you know time spent you know meditating or focused and you know breathing exercises focus on breathing I don't care mm -hmm. which kind but you need that space right. in order to mitigate the stress that is inevitable mm -hmm. uh, during teenage years. So the stress, the, the, the competing needs for so many things is, 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 is the reality. Right. But how do we lessen the impact is by, you know, having, again, a good safety, family, friends, and community network right. um, to fall back on when you think something is too much and all, you know, how to resist yeah. peer pressure. Yes, so. absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So um, this is <laughs> jumping to another uh, completely different um, spectrum of questions. But um, so many people do follow these like fad diets like intermittent fasting and um, the well-known keto diet. Um, are there any studies done on like whether these diets work, like especially on teenagers? And um, do you think that these these diets like result in any like complications later on in your body? Hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, good question. And I was going to mention that when we were earlier talking about diets. So most diets are fashioned for weight loss, right? Mm -hmm. And and then we have we have to acknowledge that you know obesity has you know and overweight has you know we said it's increasing and it it does need an, to be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, and we already talked about the basis for weight gain, which is, you know, caloric, uh, caloric, uh, 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 positive caloric balance. And so the way is there is no good or bad diet. Anything that accomplishes that is a good diet. I don't care which diet that people follow that mm -hmm. helps them control in you know, a limit their caloric intake and then helps them in a diet always has to be accompanied by you know physical activity lifestyle exercise to promote mm -hmm. you know caloric expenditure so there's no good or bad diet right but what is the caution here is what you want to avoid is dramatic and drastic diets so right. the important thing is you know they have you know there are people who who have, have had a heart attack and they have to get on, it's called a, a table, a cat, it's called a cat's table where you have to do a procedure to open their blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So they have limits on, on weight. They have, they don't have, you know, unlimited weight that they can take. So it's mm -hmm. 300 pounds. And there are people who are beyond that. And so in order to get the life-saving procedure, they have to lose weight. 
And right. so then you do something called hypocaloric, very low calorie diets, you know, that 800 calories a day so they can dramatically lose weight to have that procedure so they can <laughs> get on the table because otherwise the table won't hold them. So <laughs> unless there are exceptional reasons, drastic and dramatic problem with dramatic and drastic diets is that they're not sustainable. So you do mm-hmm. that, you get your goal, you've lost your 15, 20 pounds. You know, to get health benefits, you usually have to lose about 10% of your weight. Um, right. And you get a lot of the health benefits, you know, all the things that we were talking about, all the bad things that come from weight. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, so, but when you do dramatic weights and lose a lot of weight, they're not sustainable and the weight comes back on rebound and that can just cause us, you know, a bad psychological loop. Mm-hmm. So that is my only caution. So be patient. You know, weight gain did not happen overnight, and especially in right. adults. They say, oh, yeah. in my teenage years or in my 20, I was like you and or like somebody else. You know, I was 130 pounds. Now I'm, you know, 200 pounds. And, and then I want to lose it in one month, one week, one year. I said, yeah. you took 15 years to gain this weight. And how can yeah. you expect? I'm not saying you should wait another 15 years. But a year or two, it may take a year or two, and it needs to be sustainable, whatever diet you follow. Okay, keto diet is one of those. Basically, what keto diet is, is you eliminate carbohydrates. If there's right. no carbohydrates, remember, that's the main source of energy in our body. So uh-huh. if you're not providing carbohydrates for energy, then the body uses fat. So it kind mm-hmm. of breaks down your own body's fat, and you lose weight. So And when you break down fat, you make ketones in the body. And right. that's what is a keto diet. It's ketogenic. That means if you check the urine, they have ketones in them. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not a practical diet. You cannot, ha- you cannot, it is not a lifelong diet. You do that right. for three months, six months. And eventually, you know, it usually requires, you know, a lot more fat and, you know, on a, on a short term basis, which is fine if you've accomplished that weight loss, but then you have to replace it with a sustainable diet. Right. But doing that forever um, yeah. is, is not possible. Uh, or even desirable. Mm-hmm. In teens, I have a particular concern about, you know, diets, which is, again, you want to do it for the right reasons. I worry okay. in, in teenage years, it's, it's often, there's also a sort of, in you know, adults too, you know, cosmetic reasons. So we should take that out. You know, you do this for your health and looking good, you know, will follow. You know, you don't have to be, you know, model shaped and, you know, with zero body fat, not necessarily mm-hmm. at all. So, so excessive focus on diets in teenage years, I'm concerned about, you know, having developing eating disorders. That means, you know, right. you do a drastic diet, you lose weight and then you gain it back and then you, you know, then reject that and the cycles are probably harmful to the body. In that sense, right. yes, there's harmful effects of that. But as long as you pick mm-hmm. temporarily understanding that you're doing this because it will accomplish the weight loss and then you'll sustain it with a more reasonable, sustainable diet, understanding that some days, you know, there are going to be bad days and you eat and periods of holidays and other things, you know, you may gain some weight back as long as you have a strategy to combat that is, right. is okay. Do you believe that there is like an ideal body weight or even like a body fat percentage that teens or anyone should aim for? No, I'm not. There's uh, a healthy weight. You know, again, we talked about BMI. And, right. you know, you want to remain in the healthy range uh-huh. of that weight. Right. And, uh, and the, in a body fat, you know, it, and in fact, I actually looked it up. It's not something that I routinely even talk about to, to, to my patients. Um, for teenagers, you know, they say about 
in boys about nine to fifteen percent, and uh, and girls about fourteen to twenty one percent. You know, women need and use more fat, it seems. Uh, but there's that is not a target by any means at all. Um, so uh, that you should try to target a certain amount of uh, body fat. It's just mm-hmm. sort of you know again like in the sort of exercise physiologists and you know people who train for specific reasons. It's more mm-hmm. of a consequence than a goal. Meaning right. when you're doing, you're intensely physically active and you're yeah. running marathon, you know, marathons, you know, you will mm-hmm. burn your fat and you will achieve that. But I mm-hmm. don't see that, that, that as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a def, as a specific goal that one yeah. should aim for. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, some of my family members have um, thyroid issues and they're required to take these like daily like tablets and medication. Um, are thyroid issues like generational and if so like how does this affect teens or is there like a fix for thyroid issues to like get off of like medication oh okay it's a, a so uh, thyroid low thyroid condition is a, is is the more common condition there's high and low but low is the more common condition it usually occurs in adults and older adults women more than men uh, it's because the body sort of fights your thyroid and people get the low thyroid as as a result of that. And so it stops making the thyroid hormone and you're replacing it. So it is not the condition that, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it is not a lifestyle or an acquired disease in that sense. It's not because of lifestyle. It's not something you did that gave you, gave them the, a low thyroid condition. It is something, it is, um, uh, there's a fam- familial genetic predisposition to that so it runs mm-hmm. in families but other than that it is not anything that you should do to, to right. prevent it and mm-hmm. in some areas of the world you know there where there's low iodine um, you know and the foothills of the mount you know uh, of mountain mountainous areas the foothills of Himalayas and uh, um, the Alps you know they have there's low iodine in there in their soil mm-hmm. and so they get uh, they can get a low thyroid condition. And in the United States, that's not a concern because water is iodized and you have iodized salt too. So yeah. you don't get low iodine-based hypothyroid, low thyroid condition here. Mm-hmm. So there's not any particular, it's not of any particular concern for teens. Occasionally, some teenagers may actually have it earlier, but it's not a common condition um, uh, to, uh, to be concerned about. You, know, right. you can let your doctor know, your pediatrician know that, you know, there's a family history of thyroid. And if there's, they may do a screening test, but there's not any particular thing that I would, right. you need yeah. to be concerned or looking for as a thyroid mm-hmm. condition. Right. Yeah. So um, another, like, um, important thing that I thought it was, like, important to bring up was how, like, many teens nowadays use social media as their Google, like, for example, um, TikTok and Instagram and all of these social medias, they use um, them to find like fad diets or workouts and um, follow them, but they might not always be like grounded in science. Um, so what are your like thoughts on this and where do you believe like teens should go for advice on their health? Right. Again and again, this is this is human uh, human condition now. I was just reading. So there's a new medication uh, and I pro- I'm probably not going to say it because it's a radio show because I don't want more people going and asking their doctors for it. 
So that's actually a diabetes medicine um, that uh, also has a side effect. Weight loss is a side effect. So apparently, uh, so there is, we know, I know for a fact there's a shortage. And I thought it was a pandemic related, um, you know, supply chain issues, you know, they're injectable devices. So I thought they were missing, you know, some part that had to come from somewhere else in the world. It turns out, apparently, I didn't read the article. It's like it's TikTok. So we, I don't know what what people were saying and how, you know, promoting, oh, how much weight they lost with this medicine, that there is worldwide shortage of this medication. Oh my uh, God. And it is not available for people. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's a diabetes medicine and, and you know, oh. there are others, but yeah. that's what caused it. So, wow. you know, and then this, we are living in this world of, you know, spiral, viral, uh, spiraled <laughs> out, viraling of everything. Right. So mm-hmm. I I have no 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 good answer or solution to this, but mm-hmm. you know I am I'm expecting I feel every every technology everything that you know reach has a has a cyclical nature it reaches a peak right. and it has destruction written into it itself. We're seeing mm-hmm. what's happened on Twitter and so on, and right. uh, and then people will realize and we do need to go back to communities and in person and you know you're also asking about. You know, virtual, you know, virtual versus in person. I know, again, it's inevitable. There are advantages of virtual communication, but we mm-hmm. have to get back to, you know, hybrid ways of communicating. People have to gather and it's better to, you know, talk to each other. You know, you know, these are the forums to ask questions about, you know, is it okay? You should not get your dietary and health and uh, advice from your colleague and friend and, and your classmate. You mm-hmm. want to ask, um, you know, trained people, you know, parents, you know, uh, if in your case, parents, you know, other, other grown-ups, uh, your clinicians, it's your mentors, in anything, mm-hmm. in any anyone instead of, you know, feeding off of each other. That would be my right. recommendation. I would yeah, not exactly. follow based on Instagram or TikTok, neither of which I have, or Facebook or, or well, countless other social media that you have access to. Right. Yeah. So I know we're running out of time. And uh, I was just wondering um, if you had like a few words of like advice for teenagers um, or our audience today on like how to maintain their health or just anything that you wanted um, to end our show off with. Sure. And like, it's it's a wonderful time in your life. It seems very, uh, very, there's a lot of challenges, uh, but this is sort of the ground floor for your adulthood Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, making, building relationship, good, healthy, sustainable, healthy, nurturing relationships, I think is the key. Mm And, 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 the healthy lifestyle practices that we talked about, be mindful. What am I putting into my mouth? You know, what am I right. reading? What am I putting into my head? What am I reading? What am I hearing? Right. Uh, and just being mindful of that, you know, and, and you will do that if you just give yourself just a little bit of time, you know, it is now you don't have to do, you don't have to do mouth 10 activities, you know, focus on one. And yes, this is a time of exploring. You don't know what you're going to like, but uh, and and, and it, you should you should acknowledge that are uh, you doing this 
to explore and you don't have to master it you know kind of patience mm-hmm. you know so really good uh, nurturing relationships and uh, um and taking time for yourself and it's okay mm-hmm. to pause it's okay to say no right. and uh, and be mindful of everything that you're consuming by all yes. the sense organs yeah. eyes mm-hmm. ears mouth <laughs> mind <laughs> and and i think this is the go- really really the golden age of 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 the entire lifespan and you want to make this you want to make the best memories because base this is the foundation from which you know how you grow how you develop how you will nurture other people and your adulthood you know your families and your children you want to make good yeah. experiences so you translate that for your own future families Absolutely. Well, thank you so much Dr. Adana for coming to our show today and sharing so much information um with us today and it was so great to speak with you and um I'm incredibly honored to have you on our show this morning. Thank you and it was uh, my delight. Congratulations <laughs> and good luck to you and your audience. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming to our show today and sharing valuable information with our listeners and this will be great for um both teens and their parents and all of our audience who are listening today. Thank you. Thank you.